welcome to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. It is time for a big dub preview. It is that time of year again from memory. This is our third dub preview. Time has really flown when you're having fun and talking about the dub for several hours. So we can't wait to do it all again. Obviously, the 15th season of the A-League Women's and as if that wasn't big enough, it's the final one before the 2023 Women's World Cup. So if you weren't already excited, intrigued, et cetera, et cetera, then you will be because it's set to be an absolutely phenomenal season of football. So obviously we will need to look at every team, why they're winning, why they're not, who we're excited to see, and just have a general preview chat for this upcoming season. So before we begin, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For this episode, you have me, Marissa Lodanik, Sam Lewis, Anna Harrington, and recorded a week ago, Angela Christian Wilkes. Unfortunately, for people who work full-time, sometimes you can't get them all on the same Zoom, but we're making it work and it's going to be fun and it's going to be great. So friends, let us begin previewing the dub. I can't believe we're here again. I can't believe it's happening. I love also that it's always seemingly the like first week of the dub is always in that international break. So there's always just like three Tilly's pods from us, a dub preview, and just like everything's happening all at once. And it's just a little bit ridiculous. But let's crack in. We're going to go through these uh, teams, all 11 of them, because there's 11 of them now, um, in alphabetical order, because we're simple people and alphabetical is the easiest way to do things. So let's start at the top, Adelaide United. Samantha, you have five minutes to talk to us about Adelaide United. Obviously, the finals barrier was broken through. That was the really big story for them last season. What's the big story heading into this one? The big story for Adelaide United or the big question is whether they can do it again, whether they can back it up, whether they can have the same sort of cohesion with their squad, whether they can score the second highest number of goals again, whether they can do what they did last season. Like that was the best Adelaide United I think any of us have ever seen. It was a really good, really solid squad. And it was a squad that was the result of several seasons worth of work. And it's really nice to have seen that um, culminate in that kind of performance. They finished third. They only just lost to Melbourne victory in the semifinals. They could have made it all the way to the final as well. They were fantastic. And uh, yeah, I think the when we look at the squad of Adelaide United, some of the, or most of the key pieces from last season are back. And that's what gives me pretty good confidence that I reckon they're going to be a, a fair, in with a fair chance of making the top four, or making finals again, particularly up front, knowing that both Chelsea Dorber and Fiona Wirtz, who not only won the Golden Boot last season, but also the Julie Dolan medal, both of them are returning to this team, and that's going to be so important for them. We've got a Dylan Holmes coming back and an Emily Condon in midfield, really, really important creative players. And you've also got Isabel Hodgson, the captain, absolute stalwart of, of Adelaide United. She is such a leader and um, provides so much um, in in terms of her, her leadership in that back line as well. And that's probably the, the big question for some Adelaide United fans at the moment because there has been a bit of a shuffle in terms of their defensive line. So we've seen two new recruits in Jenna McCormick and Marushka Walders, which 
history tells us, you know, that could be a really fantastic pairing. Both have played for Adelaide United before. Before They have both performed for Adelaide United before, but bringing them back together again um, and having this, you know, not very long really of a preseason to to try and generate some chemistry, that could sort of potentially be a bit of a weak point. But other than that, I really don't see very many other weaknesses from this Adelaide team, particularly now given the the new players that they've signed as well. We've seen Melinda J. Barbieri coming across from Melbourne Victory. Um, and we've also seen one of the players that I am so excited to watch, who is Zhao Yuyi, the Chinese international who scored in the final of the Asian Cup earlier this year. Absolutely sensational player. I have no idea how Adelaide were able to sign her. It's amazing. And I really hope that she's able to sort of bring that star power that Adelaide United have maybe not quite had relative to other clubs, but she's a really big name and she's a really big name in Asian communities. So it would be great to see Adelaide sort of um, lean into that, really embrace their their local Chinese community and and um, give her the the kind of platform that she deserves as well as a footballer. So, yeah, I'm really excited for Adelaide this season. I think they'll do well. I'm really excited for the second annual Pride game that they'll be taking part in as well. They, that was an historic moment for, for the club last year. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Adrian Stenter, I think, is a really good, really smart, um, long-planning, long-term planning coach, and this is going to be hopefully another example of um, all of that. Two things. Um, really exciting for Xiao Yuyi in that China are going to play in Adelaide in the Women's World Cup next year in yeah. the qualifying group where it will be one of Chile, Senegal, or Haiti in, in that group. So they, they're going to be playing this. That's really exciting and yeah. I think that's fantastic. Um, the thing that intrigues me with Adelaide is their defence, if they can shape up well. Um, Mariska Waldos was really good for them a few years back. Um, and Jenna McCormick, I think, coming back is a good move for both parties. Um, I think she deserves a bit of stability in that sense, a chance to see if she can get back to the form that we saw her hit with Brisbane Roar a few years ago. Um, I think that's where they probably really need to to steady the ship a bit because there's so much attacking quality. Um, Mindy Barbieri adds a bit in midfield. And I think it's, it's probably a smart move for her because um, she was getting squeezed out of victory last season. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, Sam. There's a lot to like uh, and they should be better for the finals experience and really, to be honest, kick on from there. Timing, sensational. Well done, girlies. I will now cross to Angela from last Monday when we recorded her parts of this chat. She had one thought about Adelaide United. Um, also MJ Barberi going to Adelaide not was not on my my dub yeah. bingo card. Yeah. That, that one's is she's kind of random. Yeah. Kind of random. And I also think like if she like obviously I don't know the reason for the move. Yeah. You know, but it, I feel like if she had stuck around, she would have gotten substantial Probably. minutes this year in this victory Probably side. In her time. Yeah. Uh, but uh Good luck to her. I support. And thank you, Angela, as always, for her enlightening thoughts, takes, vibes and opinions. We will hear from her later on in the pod. Obviously, she'll be covering a couple of clubs as well. But let's continue moving. It is my turn to talk to you about the mighty Brisbane Roar, who were far from mighty last season. They were just super chaotic, to be honest. I did not remember seemingly how chaotic they were until I went back and I looked and I remembered that some of their results included 3-2 losses, 4-2 wins, the 8-2 defeat at the hands of Adelaide United and then a 5-1 win over Newcastle plus two 3-3 draws over Canberra. Like 
chaos league, obviously, but no team epitomised the chaos more than Brisbane Raw last season. It was absolutely bananas. Unfortunately for them, goals were very frequent at both ends of the pitch. So obviously that is something they're going to want to tighten up. Whether they actually do that, that's going to be one of the big questions for this season. But I think without doubt, the real, uh, I suppose, highlight of this season for Brisbane Raw, it's pretty similar to what it was last year, honestly. It's going to be watching Katrina Gorey again, watching what she does. We can only assume that she's going to continue to shine because of who she is as a person. Last season for her was so important in her comeback from giving birth to Harper and all, um, all of that stuff. So obviously... A good mini Gory season is good for the Matildas, good for Australian football, good for neutrals, good for everyone, really. So it's about how everything around her supports her. That would be my kind of argument for the way Brisbane go about things. They've once again relied very heavily on local Queensland talent. So it kind of worked last season. I don't know if it's going to work this season. We'll find out. But there's a couple of interesting additions as well. Hensley Handcuff, who may have one of the most American names ever, joins on loan from Gotham FC. She'll be uh, fighting for the number one goalkeeper position. So you'd think a little bit of stability up back, you know, the NWSL is very good level of football. So you'd be hoping she brings a little bit of defensive solidity there. And I'm so sorry for how I'm going to say her name, Kaja Lind, who is uh, one of Gori's teammates from Vitsia. I'm pretty sure a defender from memory as well. So you can see that they are trying to tighten things up back because that was seemingly the really big issue for them. But lots of really familiar names from last seasons, your Mariel Heckers, your Shay Connors, Larissa Crummer. She really kind of came into form in that back end of the season. So hoping that she kicks on, especially because... Well, she hasn't been playing. She's been in Matilda squads, but hasn't really been playing at Clubland. So hoping that she kind of kicks on and starts scoring for fun again. But all in all, Brisbane, interesting. I don't know really how to judge them. I really, really don't. But um, if they can tighten things up, and I'm really hoping Holly McQueen can play a role in that. She'll be playing her first season after, unfortunately, doing her ACL last. And as you all know, we love a young Australian centre-back on this podcast. It makes us very excited. So hoping she gets a full run at centre-back this season. But I really don't know how to read Brisbane, if I'm being brutally honest. Does anyone have any thoughts or vibes? Not very, really, yeah. Uh, very quick ones. Uh, one, it's hard to see them playing finals when you look at the quality of some of the other squads. Yeah. Go on, prove me wrong. Um, <laughs> we can post the audio just because it, it it doesn't bat as deep as other squads. As you mentioned, it's a real Katrina Gorey show um, with supporting acts. You sort of, yeah. I think Larissa Crummer has to have a big season more than anything to sort of justify her role in the Matildas. Like if other yep. players have big seasons um, and you think in previous years where you've seen players like a Molina Ayres score a lot of goals, he's just an easy option as a striker, right? Like as a one example, you've got to be performing. So hopefully she can kick on from Matilda's camp because she's a very talented player. And I think Jamila Rankin will probably have a little bit of a point to prove as well after being sort of on the edges of those Matilda squads. Um, yeah, it, it's weird. It would be interesting to see how it comes together. Some interesting recruitment like Margot Rabin surprised me. Mm. Um, I gotta say, um, but yeah, they you know they got a bit out of some players last year, like Shay Connors. We know Mario Hecker did a bit as well, um, but yeah, if you really want to see what Lind and McQueen can do, because that 
defense is probably what worries me. I think Rashard got shown up a few times, um, especially for pace um, coming towards the back end of that season. So, yeah, interested to see how Brisbane go. My question with Brisbane is about the depth of their midfield. Their midfield doesn't seem to have very many. They've got three (laughs) players signed right now. They've got Katrina Gori, Aisha Nori, and Holly Palmer, which like is a beautiful midfield trio, but what's going to happen if one of them gets injured? What's going to happen if one of them, like a Gori say, gets signed by an overseas club midway through the season? What's going to, you know, who's the next in line to take over those responsibilities? It doesn't seem like they have very many options there. So I'm going to be really curious to see how that unfolds over the course of the season as well. You time that so perfectly. I'm literally yeah, baby listeners. Um, so if you hear that throughout the duration of this podcast, we're trying to keep things snappy and cute, and we've done that very successfully with the first two teams of this season. But let's move on to Canberra United. We are once again uh, going back to the future, and Angela is going to tell us a little bit about Canberra United. Last season was chaotic for them. I keep thinking about that very last game of the season with victory. It was tense. It was hot. It was a lot of different things. But there seems to be a bit of a rejuvenation happening in our nation's capital. We've got new coach, some big players returning, some interesting signings. So how are you seeing the fortunes of Canberra United for this upcoming season, Angela? Um, I think I'm feeling very positive, and I think that's definitely informed by there being a, a very positive uh, energy being generated because of all those things that are happening. So, um, Canberra United have brought in. Forgive me if I say this incorrectly. Nezgosh Popovich. Um, players refer to him as Goshi. So, which is um, why we couldn't find. A little snippet to pronounce correctly. Anyway, but he's a, a Canberra man, um, has been around the squad um, in previous years, um, so was assistant coach, I believe, in 2017-18, um, or back when Canberra were last successful, which is a, a positive sign, um, and has also been in the junior Matilda setup for the last few years as well. Um, so I think in terms of that, very complementary to the kind of culture that Canberra have around developing young local talent, obviously can work with younger players as well. And they've really retained that, that core. I suppose that a lot of these players have been at Canberra for quite a few years now. They're not even really, they're, their experience they're so looking at like your Laura Hughes your Grace Mars they're not youngsters anymore I think they're definitely um credit where credit is due like very a very experienced core for this squad um so yeah a lot of familiar names coming back but in particular I think a lot of people will be excited about Nicoletta Flannery coming back from injury um she had a really unfortunate ACL injury last year um and so coming back into the squad at this point in time I think she will be able to contribute a lot um Michelle Heyman is obviously a a big name she's on a two-year deal but um I'm so so pumped for Grace Jale in this Canberra United team um she was at the Knicks last year she had a very difficult job I think in terms of having to spearhead that attack for a very young inexperienced team but I think that she just she showed moments of like real obviously she's very athletic very fast but she also um I think showed a maturity in terms of her play and being able to um 
get some goals in big moments. So yes, so keen. And I know um, it was very cute. I went and saw, it was the Nixon um, Canberra play at Viking Park with my parents and my mum was, oh, no, 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 I'm getting that confused. Let me rephrase it. Um, my parents went and saw Wellington Phoenix play at Viking Park last year. My mum was very tickled by Grace Jolly. She thought she was great. So very good news for, for her in particular. Also good news for my parents that Canberra are moving back to McKellar Park, back up to Northside. So it will be a five-minute drive for them to get to games um, this season. Um, but, yeah, so just like... I, it's, it's all looking really good. I was so, so excited as well. Um, the announcement of Grace Gill and Caitlin Munoz coming into the setup as like mentors. And they also, how could I forget? I don't know why I didn't even leave with this. Ellie Brush. Ellie Brush. So my mum's fave player and my dad's fave player, both in this Camry United squad. It's going to be a great time. Um, Ellie Brush coming back to camera is just fantastic. And they did struggle last year in terms of like uh leadership in defense or just having um I guess a, an experienced set leader um so Ellie Brush will definitely provide that and that's um yeah very 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 exciting but yeah for Canberra I'm just keen to see them develop also like a consistent playing style under Popovich because I think that was what was lacking quite a bit last season obviously um for Vicky Linton she was trying out new things to try and get things to work a little bit better but um yeah their the season was very very inconsistent and very chaotic at the end um and I know there's been some concerns as well in terms of the length of the preseason and how long this group have been playing together um in the lead up to to this season's kickoff so it will be interesting to see if they're able to hit the ground running um, I wonder if that also those kinds of questions will shift a little bit with a longer season, if that will become less of a uh, pressure for teams. But, yeah, for Canberra in particular, regardless, like they need to be coming out of the gates strong. And I think that they're super determined to get into finals and to be a uh, return to those days of being, you know, a powerhouse in this league. So I think that all the ingredients are there. It's super exciting for them. But, um, yeah, that's it's looking good. Just quickly on Canberra United, I think there are three really big names who are new to the squad who fans are going to be really, really excited to see. The first is Vesna Milivojevic. She's a, a name who's been in and around particularly New South Wales for the last couple of years. She went overseas uh, more recently and uh, I think played in Serbia. Now she has come back and is seemingly being given her first serious shot at the A-League women. So I'm really excited to see her. She's an emerging, a young, very technical midfielder. Her background is in futsal. So this is going to be really fascinating to see. Really keen for Grace Jale as well. What a signing for from Wellington Phoenix. She was their golden boot winner in their inaugural season last year. And now she's coming up to sort of partner, you'd hope, Michelle Heyman. That could be a really deadly strike force. And the third player I'm really keen to see as well is another Chinese international, Wu Shangshu. Like I'm really enjoying what some of these clubs are doing and actually reaching out to the Asian football community and finding these really amazing players and bringing them in and seeing what they can add. You know, it's not all Europeans who are out there able to, you know, bring um, quality to the A-League women's. It's a, it's a lot of players who are right, right on our doorstep. So those three players in particular are ones I'm keen to see. I was quite excited to see a few players that are on two-year deals. I think that's a really good sign for Canberra. Yeah. Um, 
that's just a, a side note. I think that shows a bit of stability. Um, but Nikki Flannery's return is what excites me. I feel like she was on the verge of doing something pretty special before she hurt her knee. So hopefully she can get some confidence up and, and play well and be interested to see how Grace Taranto goes because um, she was quite highly rated in Victoria. I went over to Adelaide and didn't really get a look in off the top of my head. Um, so that will be interesting to see as well. There's, yeah, I think there's compared to Brisbane, a bit more excited about what I can see from Canberra. And, you know, new coach, you never know what can happen. The prospect of a front three of Jale, Flannery, Heyman, I like it. I like it a lot. I want to see what it does. I also want to see what Melbourne City does. That is my segue for this next part of the chat. Obviously, City under Rado Vidasic, they had the very bad season. They really bounced back last season, were in finals once again. There was that absolutely chaotic semifinal against Sydney FC, but things seem to be building. Um, City seem to be creating a really nice core group of young Australian players. They've got a lot of little Kiwi influences as well. So what are you expecting from Melbourne City, Harrow? I'm actually intrigued by what happens with Melbourne City. I think just based on the quality of the league, they should be backing themselves to make the four. Like that's just where I think they should be always striving for. Um, Ryder Vidasic is now also working with the young Matildas. So he's getting a look at some young players and he has really focused on working with talented up-and-comers, um, you know, it, it more recently after the the wonder season, right? Uh, I think it's a season where they, they've lost TJ Blanich, who, if you watch a lot of Melbourne City, was really crucial last season, had probably a career best year, and that's a lot of experience to lose. Um, she's gone to Western United. And it's going to be a big season for some other defenders to step up. Um, Emma Checkers starting the season injured, so I imagine she'll be touch and go for round one. Tori Tumans out with an ACL injury. Um Carly Rossbacken's joined, which I'm really excited to see her when she plays, but I feel like it's going to be gradual for her as well because she's just had such a rough run of injuries over the past couple of years. So it means they're going to really need players. Caitlin Toppy did have a great year last last season and she's signed a long-term deal. But I think they're going to need a Blisser or a Chinema to, to step up and actually make a defensive spot their own because otherwise it's going to be really difficult. I'd like to see Sally James take the number one goalkeeping spot off Melissa Barbieri. And I think Melissa Barbieri would probably like to see that too. Sally James really unlucky in terms of injuries um, last season and just the timings and COVID. She got like Melbourne City got smashed by COVID last season. They had a really rough little run there. Um, yeah, I'm interested. I feel like you got Hannah Wilkinson, who you know should convert quite a lot of chances. Briley Henry is who intrigues me um, that they've signed up forward because they've lost Holly McNamara. That's going to be a long road back for her. I think it'll be a patient road with her ACL. It's her second career ACL, and we know how fantastic she was last year. They basically fell over once she did her knee. Like, all momentum sort of stalled. She was the one that could make things happen. Um, I think this is a really good opportunity for Henry, who's on a two-year deal, to show what she can do. She had very little service at the Wanderers, um, and, you know, she's had the Matildas call-ups and those sorts of things. So this is her chance to actually show what she can do, because there's some really quality players in that in that city midfield, Rana Policina needs to show that she's not going to have second-year blues. She backs it up again. She's such a creative force. Um, Letitia McKenna had an injury and COVID-affected year, so you'd expect her to improve. Um, and they've signed Katie Bowen, which is a, a really important signing for them. I think they need that extra bit of maturity in midfield, like attacking midfield, can create some chances. Another strong body. I know I know they've signed Gallich as well as a young, talented young player, but they do need some some solid players in that. Not sure what to make of Ekic and Grosso. Not that Julia Grosso, it's a different one. I'm going to be interested to see how how they sort of 
fold in. But I feel like Rado's got a good system. He's got players who buy into it. Um, these players really enjoy playing together. A lot of them lived together last season, um, a lot of these young midfielders especially. So I think the question mark earlier is going to be how will that defence hold up, especially if Emma Checker's out for a bit. They've lost Winona Heatley from last year as well because she's been playing overseas. Um, I think, as I said, they should be gunning for finals, but it's hard to see them maybe taking that next step unless they can pull off something special or a McNamara returns at the end of season and can be a bit of a spark. Yeah, totally. Um, I think the the names that really stick out to me are the young Matildas, actually, who um, you, I mean, we got sort of the first really good look at what some of these young players can do at the Under-20 Women's World Cup a couple of months ago. Daniela Galich was absolutely the standout player in that young Matilda side. And the fact that she has clearly linked up with Rado Vitasic, who was the assistant coach for that team and is now under his uh, wing at Melbourne City is Really, really exciting. And it also means that if she is able to make her mark in the next season or two, she has a direct link over to the WSL. So that could be a whole other thing for this sort of rising star of the future. Um, But Naomi Chinema was another player who really, really impressed me at the Under-20s Women's World Cup in Costa Rica. She had so much maturity at at centre-back. She very, very rarely put a foot wrong. So I would love to see her partner, Emma Checker, in that centre-back role. I know Carly Rosbacken is here. She has played centre-back in the past, but I really want this to be Chinema's year. I want this to be because I remember when she debuted and we were like, oh boy, she has been thrown in the deep end here and she is not swimming, but she has gradually learned to flap her arms and she's rising to the, the top of the pecking order in terms of emerging centre-backs to the, the young Matildas. So, yeah, so this is um, a really exciting squad. I'm also really keen to see Darcy Malone and Lee Davidson in, in midfield. I think they're both really classy. Um, and Davidson in particular I thought was absolutely critical for Melbourne City last season. So going to be really, yeah, like the, the midfield itself excites me a lot and sort of top and tail that's a little bit maybe, ugh, yikes. We have to once again cross to Angela. Um, just a little back, bit of background. I can't remember if this actually makes it into the recording, but um, I was the one that broke the news to her that Carly Rossbacken had signed for Melbourne City. And as you can imagine, she was a little bit distraught by this information. So that was good fun for, for Angela. <laughs> Apologies to Angela, who's not here to fight me right now. So this is what you're going to do, get on the pod. Um, I think it's a good move for Carly Rossbacken. I think she needs to get out of Canberra. I think she'll be pushed at City. I think she should have gone to either City or Victory um, just because I think Jeff does a really good job. But Rado's done a great job with some young players too. And she will be a starter if fit at City. She'll get a lot of minutes. She'll be challenged. I think I think it's the type of move she needs. Um, I think at some point, yeah, I was interested, like Chloe Legazza said this about going to Western United, and Chloe's a much more established player than Carly Rosberg. And sometimes you need to get out of your comfort zone and seeing your friends and family and just home in. And Carly Rosberg is, you know, someone with top character, had such a rough run with injuries. It may well do her good to be, you know, in a fresh environment um, and just really go all out because we know she's got the talent to be at a World Cup, done it before, so... And now let's cut to Monday when I asked Angela what her thoughts on Melbourne City were. Angela? You know, I I can't actually provide my thoughts right now because I'm too busy pulling the knife out from my back that Carly Rossbacken has popped popped in there. Um, Excuse me, Carly? (laughs) I'm taking this incredibly personally. 
I'm like, what? What? <laughs> anyway. I mean, it'll be nice. I'll get to see her play heaps, I guess. Maybe. I don't know if I committed to Dandenong yet, but like, yeah, it's it's been a, it was a bit of an emotion, emotional moment. Sorry, guys. Listeners, she genuinely found out when I told her when we started recording this and her exact response was, Carly, no. No. Carly, no. I'm so sorry to be laughing at your obvious distress at this news, but it was just Carly Noru um, really made me laugh. But, yeah. And those were Angela's thoughts from Monday. <laughs> Let's move on to Melbourne Victory, the two-time reigning champions of the A-League women's competition. If I was doing Melbourne Victory, I have no doubt where everyone knows where I would start this conversation, but I am not talking about Melbourne Victory. Angela is. So, Angela, where would you like to start this conversation? Is the three-peat happening? The three-peat is happening. I absolutely... I just... Okay, so last last season when we previewed Melbourne Victory, there was some some stresses around the defence, right? Um, and we were right to be stressed. Uh, as the season played out, it, it, there were moments. One of the big ones, obviously, Kayla Morrison doing her ACL super early on in the season. That was, like, so distressing. And it's that's something I'm super, super looking forward to, seeing her back out on the pitch. It's going to be fantastic. But also this Victory squad, it's very much, um, it's very similar to last last seasons, but there's more defenders on the books, which is really exciting. One of which is Jessica Nash, who didn't, who was at Sydney last season, didn't get many minutes. So I'm really intrigued to see how she goes and if she's going to be in the starting 11 for this side. Uh, Gemma Simon was super random. I think no one ever thought that Gemma Simon would leave Newcastle. The two are so synonymous, but she's coming down tons of experience. Um, and yeah, kind of it'd be intriguing to see how she works in a different team under a different coach. Very exciting. Um, and Nat Tatham as well, who was uh, at victory two seasons ago and also had an unfortunate injury really early on in the season. So there's all these different threads that are coming together, which is like making the, the defensive side of things quite um, a bit more assured, a bit more stable. Um, but I think all over the pitch, there's some really, really exciting names. Um, and those additions, I think, are really going to give victory an edge. So Beatty Goad coming back. Oh, I love Betty Goad. I think she's, and she's just, oh, yeah, she's, I haven't seen much of her uh, football in, in recent years, but just from what I do know about her, she's just got, she's very technical. She's very composed on the ball. She's uh, can play on the wings, but she's able to really create an interesting way. I think, yeah, very, very excited to see Betty Goad. Um, and of course, I feel like we should, we should talk about it. I think you should talk about it. I mean, there's Alex Chidiak coming back, which is 
fantastic and she's absolutely killing it at racing Louisville. So for her to just bounce right back into the mix, so exciting, especially after the recent Matilda's games. But speaking of Matilda's games, Marissa, how are you feeling about this? (laughs) When I tell you, I was in my bed and I was scrolling Twitter and I saw that photo posted by the Melbourne Victory admin and it said from KK. I said, shut your damn mouth, Melbourne Victory admin. What do you mean? What do you mean? And I had a tiny little moment of panic. Um, This is all unhinged. I completely, fully accept that this is unhinged. And I was there and I was like, no, no, no way. Uh, No, no. And then it was confirmed and I just... It gives me so much joy that I will get to see her in Melbourne, ideally week in, week out, contributing to the VAC getting the three-peat. My less unhinged takes are very excited about the potential combination between her and Chids, her and BD Goad as well, like what she does, the experience she provides in front of the back line as well. Like just there's so much to like about her signing. Oh, mentioned before we move on, I suppose there are some important names missing um, from this squad. I I don't know what it's going to be like to watch this team without Kyra Cooney cross um, and uh, Polly Doran as well uh, and Courtney Nevin. But I think it's such a positive thing that these like young players have been able to use their time at Victory and in the A-League women to support really smart moves overseas um, where they're getting good good game time and able to develop themselves. So it's, it will be a sad time with that KCC, but, you know, it's also a, a good, it's, also, it's, a, it's a great thing. So good for her, but I will be sad. But, you know, KK sliding right into that double barrel slot, you know, so... We'll be fine. It'll be good. We lose a hyphen, we gain a hyphen. Um, but <laughs> I, do, I do think Kyra is the one that victory maybe will feel most acutely, I suppose, out of all of those because I do yeah. trust uh, Gemma Simon and Jess Nash to kind of fill the fullback roles, but the Kyra role is the one I'm a little bit eyes emoji about, but... Um, we will see what Jeff Hopkins and the squad dish up in this new season. Like Victory have to back themselves to go back to back to back, right? Like they their squad looks so strong. And I know Sydney FC are terrific as well. It does feel like it's going to be down to those two teams once again. I feel like Sam might agree with me here. I just feel like they, they've bolstered so well. Um, KK is exactly what they need in terms of a holding midfielder. I'm excited to see how she teams up with Alex Chidiak when I asked Jeff Hopkins about it. He was excited about his whole midfield group. Um, Paige Joyce they're excited about as well. BD Goad I think will be fantastic. Um, it sounds like she's been ripping it up in preseason. She's so classy. She's so smart. I think should have been in the Matildas more recently, but had a bit of a difficult time, I think, playing time-wise in Europe. But I think has the has the class to go to another level is is just the type of player they need after at times they weren't so creative up forward last season. I think she is perfect signing. Um, Kayla Morrison back with Claudia Bunch, who also looks in ripping nick. Um, if they can reinvent 
you know, Jess Nash, I think she'll play right back and get her confident again. Really good. And, and you know, Gemma Simon is a strong role player at, at this level, just slots into left back. Polly Doran's a big loss and they lost Courtney Nevin as well, obviously. That's the the difficult thing for them. But, yeah, I think they can be really excited by what the the cover they've brought in. And Tatham's a more than handy player as well at, at this level. I, I feel like they've they've strengthened their squad as much as they could, you know, considering they were always, I think, going to lose uh, Cooney Cross and Nevin to, you know, having an off-season. This Melbourne Victory squad scares me. <laughs> They're so good. They're so they're so deep. They have so much complexity to them. If Victory don't make the finals again, if they don't finish in the top two, I will be shocked. Yeah, just like Sydney, I think they'll be going the double. Going for the double. Sydney yeah. and Victory both just double is what they want. You can spell I, that how you want. <laughs> I think the fun thing with this is like I certainly didn't expect any team to be going for a three-peat again. Like, after Melbourne City did it, I was like, well, obviously they've done it. They're this invincible behemoth. No one is ever going to come close to doing a three-peat again. And now we're here and Melbourne Victory have a chance to do a three-peat. That's the thing that boggles my mind. But um, we will move on. Let's move on to the Newcastle Jets. They're putting the new in Newcastle. They have really refreshed the squad. They've got a lot of new names and a very kind of different sort of vibe from Newcastle in the sense that they are uh, signing internationals. They've kind of been known for not really taking the international route. Obviously, they had great success with a couple of their signings last season. I'm thinking uh, Marie Marcusson and uh, Lizetti were absolutely fantastic for them, but everything else kind of fell apart for them. Obviously, they had Van Eggs as well um, for a little brief cameo at the start of the season. Everything was great and it just really went downhill they really limped um to the end of the season there got ravaged by COVID as well hopefully there's no uh COVID ravagings this season but yeah so it was bright start for the Jets last season not a very bright finish but they really have rejuvenated under Ash Wilson they've brought in some really really um nice looking Americans by the sounds of it have definitely tapped into the Chicago Red Stars for a particular reason with a few of their signings. Um, So Emily Garnier, uh, Sarah Griffith, uh, Murphy Agnew as well, really keen to see how they go, what they bring, because the kind of rule of the dub is your seasons make or break with your international signings. So basically I'm expecting however these internationals bed in, slot in what they bring is going to really determine how the Jets end up going this season. But I think it's exciting that these new faces are being complemented by some really established, not just Newcastle talent, obviously, yet Tara Andrews. She's part of the furniture. We can't get rid of her now. But names like Georgie Worth, who was up at Brisbane, has the A-League women's experience, Tegan Allen, and Adriana Konyaski, Nee Jones, who has been a, a long-time uh, player in the dub, has returned, popped up back in Newey. So really keen to see what she can do up top. So like I said, it feels positive because there's lots of new stuff at Newcastle. How it actually goes about working is going to be the big question for them. Ash Wilson's in her third season now. Both previous seasons, the Jets finished eighth. I'm guessing she at a minimum would like to finish higher than eighth. And she could if everything comes together in the way that she's probably hoping. But um, 
Yeah, it's a real wait and see with the Jets in kind of like the similar fashion to I'm not sure how to read them like I did with Brisbane. I feel more positive about the Jets, even though I don't know how to read them, if that makes sense. The thing with Newcastle is that they've done something like this before and it hasn't worked. Mm. You know, they brought in a host of new signings. They all looked really good on paper, but then when push came to shove, it it just didn't click and it didn't work until the back end of the season. So I'm expecting probably something quite similar from Newcastle this year. And they also have a very long tradition of signing Americans and those Americans tend to be the standout players. So there's probably a a bit more pressure on these Americans to deliver um, this season, especially considering where Newcastle have come from. But one player that I am actually really keen to see is the return of Tessa Tamplin. She's someone who really burst onto the scene through Newcastle and then got that move overseas to Switzerland, I think it was, with Savette. Um, And she's sort of fallen off the radar a little bit since she's been over there. Maybe it's just because we don't have access to their league in terms of broadcasting, but she has clearly learned a lot. She's played Champions League over there. You know, she's probably come a long way. So I'd be really keen to see how much she's developed over the course of the last what season. Panyaski intrigues me. Um, just yeah. it surprised me when I saw, but apparently it's just been dominating the um, Northern New South Wales in PLW, I understand, just smashing in the goals, which she should given her, her quality. Um You'd think, you know, if you've played that sort of level. And, of course, the, the tallest woman in Newcastle, Tara Andrews. She's always good value, always good value. And I agree, Sam Ree Tamplin. So a few players to look out for, expect more of the same. Americans to be the star players, plus Tara Andrews. I don't, I don't know what will happen with Newcastle. I think they'll be an enigma. We'll see. Hopefully, yeah, they can surprise a few. And one player whose name might not get very much mentioned this season, but someone to keep an eye on is Lara Gooch. She's a young, really talented midfielder coming up through the Australian systems. And she played in a couple of friendlies uh, in Canberra back in April, I think it was. And she was just dazzling. So, yeah, keep an eye on her. Let's head west to Perth Glory. They were really fun last season and it was really, really great to see them kind of come to fruition, everything that we had been promised under Alex Aparkas that he wasn't able to deliver with the team in his first season, we absolutely saw in his second. So I'm imagining it's a bit of a kind of next step in the progress. We're going to see some really cool things from Perth. What are you expecting to see from them, Sam? Yeah, that's right. And I think this is the third season under Aparkas now and you know, third time's a charm. This is going to be his first season where COVID and border restrictions are not affecting this team as much as they had in the past. His first season was absolutely ruined by uh, border closures. And his second one, they had to move the entire team to New South Wales to play um, due to restrictions over in Western Australia. So I think they only played one home game. So now they're in, they're, they're, they're starting their first proper season the way that it always should have started hopefully with no more uh, restrictions in that sense. And they can actually start to develop some momentum and some home ground advantage as well, because it is really important, particularly in a league that's as geographically huge as this one. Um, But we did see last season, the fact that they did move to New South Wales and they were able to um, develop into a pretty exciting attacking um, dynamic kind of team, the kinds of players who we've always been waiting to burst onto the scene really started to show their qualities as well. So I'm anticipating building on that. I would love to see players re- like returned players like, uh, uh, like 
uh, Liz Anton, for example, who's cracked into the, the football ferns recently, Hannah Lowry, Sophia Sakalas in particular, two really, really classy young midfielders who we've talked and raved about for years and years and years. Um, and Sierra Hinson, I think, is another really important re-signing by Aparkas. She was really key for them towards the back end of last season when she signed, um, going forward, scoring goals and and being able to connect and just add a little bit more physicality and, and um, firepower up front. So I think she's going to be really important. But aside from her, there are a couple of really interesting new signings as well. Um, you've got Riley Basden, who's come from Brisbane Raw and most recently North Carolina Courage, which is a pretty you know big club to be part of. And Ella Mastro-Antonio, what a great return for, you know, a legend of W League football coming back to her hometown club of Perth after being abroad in Europe for a couple of seasons. She's, I mean, we all know what Ella can do. We all know how good she is. So she's going to be, I think, really, really crucial in a very similar way to KK at Melbourne Victory in setting a foundation of, of the midfield to perhaps re- release, you know, those young, more attack-minded players to go a little bit further forward and score some more goals than they did last season. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited for Perth this season. I think this is the one for them. They finished fifth last year, and they only missed the finals by goal difference. They finished on exactly the same points as uh, Melbourne City, I think it was, or Melbourne Victory. I can't remember one of the two. Um, so yeah, so this is this feels like their their year. This feels like their season. They seem to have all the bits and pieces in place. We've got the return of Natasha Rigby as captain. The return of Morgan Aquino, really important as well. Um, so yeah, so I'm I'm just keen to to see how they pull it together. They've had a big preseason. They've been doing a lot of work over the last couple of months together. So yeah, I'm I'm really keen to to see how they go. And the most important thing is they don't have to spend most of the year in New South Wales. Hey, there it is. <laughs> Every episode, got to get one little punch in about Sydney. That's fine. But but seriously, like that that's the big thing for them, right? Like they they can be home. They can be settled. Yep. They're not worried about jumping borders and all that sort of thing. They should be able to get, you'd hope, a normal season underway. So, yeah, I think it's exciting. I think they're a proper, like, exciting team to watch this season. I'm really, really intrigued to see how they go. And I, I agree with you, Sam. They should be trying to take it up to that top four. Uh, just the only thing is missing that bit of experience. Lisa Devanna and um, Lena Kamas obviously were, were quite crucial at times, just in terms of making an impact at the right. I think of that Melbourne victory when they had, right? Um, I think that it's good that they're moving on with some some young players and they're going forward in, a, in that direction. And, and I agree there's a lot of talent there, but it's going to be interesting to see who can step up um, and Hinson was one of them that did that really well. Um, when it gets a little bit difficult or you're searching for a goal, I'm, I'm going to be really intrigued. One other player who I'm actually really keen to see, who's sort of been in and around the A-League women's for a couple of seasons now, but hopefully is getting her first serious crack, is Claudia Mircic. Came from Victoria, really highly rated in the MPL system there. I think she was part of like a Melbourne Victory train-on squad for a little bit, but she has been part of the youth national team system for a really long time and is a very solid, very well-rounded defensive player. She can play either as a centre-back or as a number six. So seeing hopefully her get a really serious opportunity and get some minutes under her belt, that's something that I'm really keen for as well. I remember calling her first game actually because it was very late in the season and it was Perth playing against Victory in Melbourne and it was like I was so excited at the start of the season to see her and then whatever kind of happened, borders, flights, blah, 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 blah. So very keen that she will most likely get a full crack of a season, or at least we hope uh, to see that. Angela also had some takes on Perth. So here is Angela from Monday. I I am very excited to see Perth this season. 
is I big fan of what has been going on with Perth in the past two seasons under Alex Parkas. Was it one season? No, it was two seasons because yeah, yeah, the season where he yeah, yeah, I know, I don't know what's happening. The passing of time is terrifying. Um, very excited, but um, Sarah Langman heading there is a bit of a spicy meatball. Um, and we talked quite in depth last season about, I guess, keepers in the A League women and um, creating competition within the squad. So we'll be intriguing to see because I she I feel like she did pretty good job given the circumstances at Wanderers last year. So yeah, uh, keen to see how that plays out for her and just in general this Perth team. I feel like they're gonna really give it a red hot go this season, which will be exciting. Let's move on to Sydney FC. So in my preview that you can read on ESPN.com.au, got to get my cheeky plunks in, I have said that surely you would be hard-pressed to find a more dominant team across two seasons that does not have the silverware it rightly deserves. So basically... The question for Sydney is, are they winning a goddamn grand final this season? They have to. If they don't, I will I will quit. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But no, this is a look, this is a really um another really impressive Sydney FC squad coming into this season. They obviously finished premiers last year. They lifted the plate and they were, I think, by a fair margin, the best team, the most consistent team. They set a W League record of 10 consecutive clean sheets. They had the best goal difference in plus 30, the equal best winning record. They, yeah, like other than just sort of the stumble in the grand final, they were far and away, I think, the most impressive side. And the good thing, and uh, the good thing generally about Sydney FC is there's a lot of consistency of squads across multiple seasons. That's the thing that has generated this kind of barreling through history for them over the last few years. They just have created this core group who love playing together. They have such good chemistry together and they know how all this stuff works. They've been through the ringer in every sense. They've they've done it all. So yeah, this is a another really good um Sydney squad. I think the the return of particular players in Courtney Vine and Sarah Hunter are absolutely huge, especially considering there was chat about the two of them going overseas. So having acquired their services for a second season is really important for Ante Juric to try and go back to back and win some silverware. And also Mackenzie Hawksby. Hawksby was, I think, far and away Sydney's most crucial player, not just in midfield, but in terms of her creativity and her assists as well. Pretty sure she finished the the season as the most creative player of Sydney FC. She's an absolute workhorse um, and she's come along in leaps and bounds as well over the last couple of seasons. So I'm really excited to see how much she's improved just in this off season as well. Um, yeah, so so seeing players like that, seeing Nat Tobin back, probably wearing the captain's armband, really important in central uh, defence alongside Charlotte McLean, a player who was not given nearly enough credit for how excellent she was at centre-back. And Jada Wyman in goal as well, really important there. But I think the big question for Sydney this season is what they're going to do to replace Remy Seamson. The Seamson is staying overseas, from what I understand. She's not going to be re-signing with the club. And even though she didn't score many goals last season, she was so important in terms of building, being a, a link-up player. She had such good understanding with Courtney Vine and Princess Abini. Um, and she was the the real um, sort of pivot point for a lot of the the way that Sydney played going forward. So her absence is um, going to be an interesting 
thing to replace. I, I'm My gut tells me that it's going to be filled by a new signing in American striker Madison Haley, who comes really highly rated out of Stanford. She's a US youth international as well, apparently scored 10 billion goals when she was at college. So that seems to me the most likely replacement for Seamson, but she could also be a very different kind of striker. We've got Shay Evans, who's coming back as well, who can play at centre forward, but I don't think that she's going to be getting in front of uh, a player like Haley, who's had such calibre. So yeah, but in addition to them, um, a couple of really um, intriguing signings as well. I've got Deborah Ann Delaharp, who comes across from Perth, a really good um, creative fullback as well, someone who's who's really important for was really important for Perth, and Kirsty Fenton, who comes from Newcastle on the other side of the of the defensive line. We know how fun she can be, so that's really good. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing Abby Lemon as well, another player who has uh, came through the system overseas. She came up through Spain playing with Levante. She was a really, I think she didn't get nearly the look in that she deserved at the under-20s Women's World Cup under Leah Blaney. I think she's um, she plays a very different style of football perhaps to what the young Matildas were wanting to play there. But she is uh, fantastic. She's technically so gifted. She's so clever on the ball. And this is going to be her first full season in the A-League Women's. So I'm I'm keen to see um, what she can do and whether she can sort of imprint herself on this league in the same way that a number of younger players have already done. Um, But the other really big signing as well is Anna Green, who uh, scored that absolutely ripping goal against the Matildas in the New Zealand friendly in Canberra. Um, which floated. I, I don't, it was like this crazy cross shot, and everyone. It was just insane. Anyway, so she's like, so she's played for the football fans for I think eighty caps, something amazing. She's really experienced. She's got a really good head on her shoulders, and she'll be really crucial, I think, in a leadership role as well. So, yep, whether Sydney can go back to back—that's the question. If she don't, if they don't, similar to Melbourne Victory, if they don't make at least the top four and probably the top two, I'm, I'm going to be devastated. I think that's pretty much spot on. So it'll be interesting to see if Bar sort of seems and how close it is to the same 11 that we saw. And they got some young players and Annika Stadich has come in. Um, daughter of former Sydney FC Matildas coach, Alan Stadich has been with the young Matildas recently. Um, and I think you mentioned as well, um, young Dos Santos is quite highly rated. So it's it's interesting because you see these young players and you wonder how much how much we'll see of them because there's obviously so much talent in that Sydney FC team. Um, I'm, I'm going to be interested just because you get some new players in there. But you'd have to think it's going to be Vine Time, Princess Abini, Mackenzie Hawksby. I just think has such a good season last year. It's going to be so hard to top that just in terms of her midfield influence, her goal scoring influence. I just... Just a unique player as a attacking midfielder, and um, I'm giving really her the wind hope, up. Yeah, I really hope we do <laughs> see her come back into the Matilda sort of frame again. Um, and yeah, hopefully those players can can go again. But yeah, as you say, it's it's silverware or bust, right? They're eyeing the double. That's what it's all about for them. And anything less, they'll consider a failure. First, I imagine it from their perspective, not anyone else's. I think the other really good thing is that. Ante Juric has stuck around because I re- I feel like a lot of the conversation at the end yeah, of the season was. was that he was gone He was only staying as long as he was because he loved the group so much. So really good to see that he's sticking around and he's been excellent for a really long time now. So there is a part of you that wants to see that success rewarded with silverware. I'm sure victory fans do not agree at all, but as a neutral, you want to see that success um, rewarded. Let us move along across the ditch let's head very east uh to the wellington phoenix i have them as basically just like the best storyline from last season they were just so easy to love they were so fun to watch and everyone just wanted good things for them 
There's been some changes in this off-season, new coach, bigger Kiwi names. So are we expecting more of that lovable team, I suppose, or is it going to be a little bit more how you going? These guys are actually not here to F spiders, respectfully. I hope it's the latter. I, I think you can't. For one thing, they're not the new kids on the block anymore. And I think they all want to be seen as not just the kids, the you know, the exciting kids that have had to relocate and are doing it tough. And no, they'll want to be taken seriously. They want to create some upsets. Um, you know, they get, they got pretty fiery when they were getting right in games last season. And I really like that. Um, and as you mentioned, they've got some real experience. I love that they brought um, Paige Satchel on board, mentioned Betsy Hassett as well. There's just some more quality top-end talent there. like, And not just top-end talent, um, experienced talent mature bodies who can go hard who can make an impact and I just think these players are going to be so much better off for being home um it sounds like they've got really good facilities over there they've been set up really well they're being given every opportunity to succeed which which is what they deserve really after spending you know a whole season on the road Grace Wisniewski's coming off her first call-up. I think she got injured, so didn't actually play for the football firms but that's exciting when you get players like that recognized and you feel like they're going to be able to go to another level. I think that's really important. Um, yeah, I, I I just feel like they're not going to be e- – they weren't easy beats last season, but it took them a while to really sort of kick into gear, which is understandable with a young team. I mean, I think it's important that they kept a lot of those really impressive players like Mackenzie Barry, Kate Taylor together in defence. You want to keep that central defensive pairing going and they'll only get better for more and more time together. Obviously, Lily Alpha was fantastic last season and – um, we'll obviously marshal things again. Um, yeah, I, I'm just excited to see what they can do. Alyssa Wyndham signed for a couple more years as well, and I think she was one of the real sparks of last season. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm not sure what they're actually capable of. Marissa Vandermeer, I think, is a good signing too. Didn't really get a look in at Melbourne City and I think has made the right decision in in going back across the ditch effectively. Yeah, they, they intrigue me, Sam. I'm interested in your thoughts here because – they weren't easy beats last year, but they were a young team. And you saw at times, I remember Gemma Lewis talking about the fatigue kicks in, especially when they're playing games in the heat. I feel like they'll all be so much better for the experience they had last season. And they'll have gelled more, they've played together more. And I'm I'm really excited to see how they can go now they actually get a proper crack at it on home soil. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing that I wanted to mention about Wellington is something that you said, Tara, which is retaining some of those core players, ensuring that they're keeping... Um, Kate Taylor and Mackenzie Barry together is so important because them being thrown in the deep end of A-League women's last season, like that was a huge learning curve for them, but they have just gone to another level. They've both been involved in youth national teams and senior national team football recently. And towards the back end of that season, they were two of the most incredible standout centre-backs of the whole league, you know. So I'm, I'm really, really glad that, that they've kept them. Um, but I think the big uh, problem that Wellington had really was scoring goals. They didn't really score that many. Grace Jale was their top scorer and she only scored, I think, six. Um, so trying to figure out where their goals are going to come from now is, I think, the big question for Wellington. Bringing Paige Satchel in, bringing Michaela Robertson in and bringing in Millie Clegg, who's uh, someone who's actually really highly rated and I think has over in Wellington has come up through the boys system. So she's like a name to sort of keep an eye on as well. Um, They all are largely wingers or wider players. They're not quite a centre forward. So how they go about that, maybe this is the kind of style that Natalie Lawrence wants them to be playing. She doesn't necessarily need a number nine. 
how they're going to find goals in that way is going to be a pretty, I think that's going to be their thing this season. Their midfield is extraordinary. It's one of the best midfields that I think we've seen so far in the squads. They have so much depth there and they have goals there as well. Having a Betsy Hassett there is really crucial, I think. Um, That's a really big name and someone who knows how football works at this level and what needs to happen um, when you've got a, largely a young squad. Um, her, show, her showing, stepping up and showing some leadership, I think, in that role will be really, really key. So, yeah, this is a this is a really cool squad. It builds on what they've had before. They've kept their um, spine largely together and hopefully they're going to really enjoy playing in front of their home crowd, playing in front of their friends and their family and, and getting the... Um, the home crowd advantage that that kind of um, situation can generate in a very similar way to Perth. So yeah, I'm just, I just want to sit back and watch him, eh? Like I'm just really excited. They'll be looking for a little bit of Kiwi history with that first game over in New Zealand. Would one, one of our final teams for this preview are Western Sydney Wanderers. They were not good last <laughs> season, respectfully. Um, I think about that 5-0 loss to victory. Basically, they weren't very good last season. There were some really good bright spots, um, but it was mm, otherwise very bleak for the Wanderers. But they have brought in some new faces, including Kat Smith in the head coaching role. Amy Harrison has returned to the club as well, so... There's some excitement. Tom Samani's in that head of football role as well, which I think is a really exciting proposition and says a lot about maybe the overall vibes and direction of the Wanderers and how they're approaching um, the A-League women's season this year. But how are you feeling about the Wanderers? Are you seeing improvement from last season? I I really hope that there is improvement from last season because, yeah, last season felt kind of emblematic of where they've been for a, quite a while they've, as a club it's felt a little stagnant and like they came second last but tally like so Wellington Phoenix were on the bottom of the table and had two wins and Wanderers had one win but had gotten by with draws like that it wasn't and so yeah it it was just a, a little bit of a confusing season like Maybe it's just because we're, like, used to chaos. We're just, like, if it's not chaotic, like, is it even interesting? I don't know. But, yeah, with with these, like, um, with Kat Smith coming in, I'm I'm very chuffed with that appointment, I think. She's been um, around the Victorian, like, MPL circuit for many years. She's been at Victory previously, has worked um, with Junior Matildas. It's just, like, been very present in women's football in in Victoria and in A-League women for quite a while. So to for her to get a head coaching role is is fantastic um, and I think super well-deserved. Um, but also that pairing that with the, the support from Tom Samani, I think, is is very positive. It's a, a hopeful sign in terms of where Wanderers actually, they, there's a sense of direction, a sense of strategic direction and, and something that they want to get um, out of it. I think, and... Uh, in line with that, they've also been signing players on two-year deals. Um, it has been a, quite a big refresh, though. Like, they've only got 50 at, at the time of recording, so this is Monday the 7th. They only have 15 people signed, only one goalkeeper. Um, and there's quite a few big names, not 
well, not big names, but names that I feel, again, I feel are quite synonymous with them as a club. Caitlin Cooper, for example, it doesn't seem to have re-signed. There's Ashley Crofts. Libby Cooper's rec- Brown has gone overseas to lose FC. So, like, I th- and I rated her quite highly last season, so that's great to see. But it, it's, there's, uh, I really don't know what the, the identity of this Western Sydney Wanderers side is going to look like just yet because they have got quite a few new new names in, um, and especially drawn on Canberra and Newcastle. So Lauren Kears made the move. Um, Bethany Gordon from Newcastle. Sophie Harding is super exciting. I thought she really um, showed some interesting, or she like, yeah, provided a bit of spark for Newcastle last season. So to see what she can do in this setup will be interesting. But I'm not, I'm not getting a strong sense of what kind of football they'd be playing just yet. But I, it's positive. It's positive, but also you need some more, you need some more players left. You need you need some more players. Um, but I do wonder if this is kind of like, for example, they've signed Ella Abdul Masir on like a two year deal. Um, Kush Larue is also another very young player who's come in, so it, it might be just the start of a project. And um, I'm not expecting to be wowed straight away, but I think I feel like they're potentially where Victory were a couple of years ago, where they were like, okay, so we need to start from the ground up and stop the rot, I believe is the phrase that Anna has used in the past to describe that moment. So that, yeah, positive. I'm I'm really hopeful. I feel like this is the most uh, interesting Western Sydney Wanderers squad list in a, in a long time, apart from that season where they just like were randomly very good and had Americans and then it was just like a complete flash in the pan. This is something much more sustainable and much more, um, I guess, long-term on paper, at least. Yeah. I think that's it. So even if this season isn't particularly good, it looks like something is being built, which, as you mentioned, cannot be said for the last time they were any good where they had, like, Lynn Williams, Nevin, Cooney Cross. Um, There was definitely more Americans, but Lynn Williams is the only one I can remember because sometimes Wanderers fans are still that little bit salty that she just left and probably (laughs) rightly so to be salty she just left um oh Hamilton that's it Kristen Hamilton Kirsten Hamilton those names was it Janice O'Sullivan as well or am I making oh my god yeah Uh, yes yes Sorry, Eric. How could we possibly? <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry. Like, we're, we're terrible people. But yes, so that season where it was like, obviously, they've thrown everything in the kitchen sink to do something that season and then future proofed zero, basically, where this seems like, as you said, a little bit more considered, thought out, five year plan, long term, yada, yada, yada. Um, but it will be very interesting. And, yes, I do hope Kat Smith uh, does well. I'm excited to see Amy Harrison back. Uh, I think this is fantastic for her. She really needs to get back to enjoying her football. I spoke to her at the A-Leagues launch and she was really excited to get back to playing some that had delivered her good football in the past. Her last stint at the Wonders was a success. I think she's a really talented player versatile, um, plays her best football pretty much anywhere in midfield, but can also play in defence if you need her. And I'd love to see her back in the mix. Um, And hopefully Claire Hunt can get an injury-free run because I think she can really play and be an influential defender and really make people think, like sit up and take notice, if she can just get her body right. And I know that's a big if. But those are the two that really excite me. 
Yeah, and I think uh, to the side of Claire Hunt, Alexia Postolakis is a player who I'm really keen to see as well. She is 16 years old now. She made her debut for the Wanderers last season when she was 15, and you would not have known at all that she was that young. She was so confident on the ball. She's so classy. She reads the game beautifully. Her and Claire Hunt pairing as the central defenders of this team really excites me. Um, but I'm 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 a little bit like question mark over Western Sydney this season. You look at their squad; they haven't really announced that many players. Um, they've only got 16 currently public, which is the fewest of any other squad. Um, there are a lot of question marks about the goalkeeping situation. They've lost all their goalkeepers in the off season, and the only one that they've signed is Jordan Bloomer. So that situation is going to be a bit tricky. And also going forward as well, we know that Western Sydney really, really struggled. They scored the fewest number of goals last season. So that's the big thing for them having to address going forward. They need to figure out who their goal scorers are going to be. We've got a Sheridan Gallagher up there. She's got some international experience captaining the young Matildas now. She could be the the sort of the next number nine. Um, we've got Holly Caspers and Sophie Harding as well coming across from Newcastle. That's pretty that's pretty crucial. And Kush LaRue is another sort of key name in there who's emerging through the youth national team ranks. So where their goals are going to come from and whether they can keep them out, uh, that's going to be the the big thing for Western Sydney, Western Sydney Wanderers, I reckon. Let's finish up, last but not least, the new kids on the block, Western United. Uh, great news if you like Calder United and like the MPLW Victoria. Um, you will like Western United, um, but obviously so exciting that we have the new team, the extra games. But um, I suppose... How do similar to similar to Wellington last year, where it's like it's a new team? How do we assess them? What should we expect from them? How do we assess and what should we expect from Western United? Yeah, it's it's intriguing, right? Because they've done really well in preseason. They've got wins over both Victory and City. I know you can't read too much into preseason form, but you can read a lot into it if you get battered. <laughs> like you know what I mean? So you didn't that it should indicate they should be at least competitive, right? Um, they've got some really good players. Uh Jess McDonald's a great signing. I think we'll add some real excitement to the league, has starred here before, um, especially in that stint she had at Victory years and years ago. Um, they really sort of rejuvenated her career, actually, and then she went on her path, and we know she's a World Cup winner. So that's that's fantastic. Uh, I reckon she's a great player. I'm excited to see what she can do. Um, Chloe Legazzo, we we know her quality. She'll just be looking to get minutes and minutes and minutes, and she's really going to set the standard. That was the thing that she told me when I spoke to her when she signed. That was what she wanted to do, and you know, give these players a, a bit of belief, set the standard in terms of running. She's a machine and basically said, be fitter than everyone else. So that must have been a fun preseason for their young midfielders. Um, Alana Chen's really highly rated in Victoria, so she should learn a lot from playing alongside Legazzo. The, they've got the Filipina, um, Jacqueline Swicky as well. I'm excited to see what she can do here. I'm quite intrigued. But as you mentioned, um, Marissa, it's very colder, heavy. Um, a lot of players... Um, and also, you know, pinching a few from other clubs. It's not surprising to see yet. Yeah, so it's like Emma Robers, um, Franny Amano um, go over to Western United. I mentioned earlier when I was talking about City, I think TJ Vlanich is a really important signing just in terms of that seniority, a lot of experience, just knows exactly what she's doing. They got one of the best names in the league, Silver Bell Morris, who's really, really highly rated as a young player. So I'm excited to see what she can do. Um, I love that both Tarantos are there. I feel like they've really been the key for for Calder for many years. And I, I like seeing players get another opportunity. 
Um, and Hannah Kane is a name that intrigued me when she signed because I've seen her tear up plenty of NPLW and I'll be excited to see how she goes in the um, in the A-League women. I know she scored in the preseason, but we saw Catherine Zimmerman obviously get a shot going from NPLW to the dub and she's an absolute star now. So I'll be interested to see how Hannah Kane goes. Um, yeah, they've got some pretty experienced internationals in there, which excites me. Yeah, it, it's it's so hard to know how they'll go, right? Um, but you know, Mark Torcaso has worked with a lot of these players for a long time in Calder, so that that holds them in good stead. Um, yeah, there's a. I, I want to see how Alex Sinclair goes. She's been such a stalwart of the MPLW down here in Victoria, and I imagine we'll probably play a fair bit for them just with their experience and goal scoring now. Um, yeah. I'm just excited to see what they can do. And I think um, City Vista is a good little stadium for them to be playing at. It's it's a good dub-sized stadium. They'll get the perfect litmus test first up coming up against the champs, Melbourne Victory. Um, as I said, preseason's one thing, but coming up against a, a raging Melbourne Victory first thing will be really interesting. But I, I think they should challenge a few teams. I think they should get some good results. I think it's going to be very different to Wellington last season, where it was a really young team sort of getting bullied early on. Lots of senior players here, players who can set the standard, players who can have an impact, who can star and who can turn games. So they'd have to be backing themselves to at least push for mid-table, right? Like, if not higher. So I, I'm really intrigued to see how they go. I think Mark DeCasso has been really smart in having the foundation of this team coming from one MPLW side in Calder United. There's already so much chemistry that's built there that you really just need to add a couple bits and pieces to that thing that everyone already has an understanding of. And that's, I think, what's going to make their debut season different from Wellington's because Wellington, their squad was largely just thrown together. They were players picked from all over. They hadn't played together very much in any kind of new, like national team or club sense. Um, and they you, they were rusty because of that. You sort of you saw them struggle in, in the start of that season, and they started to develop some good understanding of each other towards the back end. And that's where I think um, the coaching staff at, at Western have been really clever because they've they've leapt over that hurdle already in signing a whole bunch of players who already know each other. They already have played together for years and years. Um, and now it's just a matter of being able to take all of that a step higher. And the addition of players like Jess McDonald and Chloe Legazzo are going to be so key because they, as you mentioned, Harry, they're going to set a standard, right? This is going to be players who most of the, this squad has never played with a player like this before. So knowing the kind of work it takes to be an international footballer, and having players of that caliber show them that example is going to be amazing. What an opportunity to learn from a player like Jess McDonald. You know, it's going to be incredible. So, yeah, I, I'm actually backing Weston to to go at, at least mid-table, if not push for the top four, if preseason score lines are anything to go by. Um, but we'll get a really good sense of it in, in how they perform in round one. Don't yell at me, listeners, for using a footy example here, but Harrow, I'm thinking of them in the same way as Essendon. Essendon, yeah. <laughs> in the AFLW this season. So if you listen to Harrow and I on ESPN's footy podcast, which you should, um, if you are so inclined into uh, liking AFLW. Um, but no, so before the season, Essendon very much recruited some really big names, had a very successful state league side. So there's a lot of parallels between these two teams and everyone kind of expected of all the new teams entering the competition, they would be the one that did something. And for the most part, they did. So it's a very similar vibe with Western United. And I'm really keen to see 
how they go, what they do. And also I think it's going to be a really interesting kind of indicator of maybe the gap between NPLW and the actual A-League women's because it is such a Calder-heavy squad and this team has been very dominant in the NPLW down here, but how does that actually stack up against a national competition? So we'll watch that with plenty of intrigue. That's our preview done. Um you will obviously be listening to this throughout the week. We have our first games coming up this weekend. We absolutely cannot wait. We will post all of our silly little predictions that we love to do on social media and would love to hear all of yours, obviously, because it's always fun to hear predictions and then regret your choices later in the season. But thank you so much for tuning in. You can always find all of our previews on our social media. We'll give everyone's a little retweet at the Far Post Pod. As always, we are on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app, as well as uh, Spotify, Apple, Google, all the usual pod spots. But we can't wait to see you at a dub game sometime this season. See you later.